Hey, hey, good evening, uh, everyone. Let's talk. Uh, tonight we have a, a, a broadcast that we want to do. It's on Facebook and YouTube and Periscope as well. And um, tonight we have a show on current events. We have our distinguished co-hosts, myself, Shakita, and Keisha. And we got a few issues we, we want to address. Uh, what's up, Keita? Nothing. Hey, what's up? Y'all see she got that purple popping with the blush and everything. Everything everything is just in unison going on. A Even little moisturizer yeah. and a touch of bronzer. Yeah, she she got a lot. She got it going on today. You know, she, you know, she got that beautiful smile. Today. Today. She gonna show and the dimples, the dimples might come out if anybody say anything crazy in the chat. <laughs> What's up, Keisha? Nothing. How are you? Hey, Keisha. Oh my, it's good, you know. Everything is well. Good. We got a uh, we got some current events going on. Hi, uh, <laughs> I want to talk about the uh, interview that Okra did first with the gentleman that was uh, cheating. Mm -hmm. They had all the excuses in the world. Yeah, I hope anybody that's watching had an opportunity to view it on the page with the, uh, I guess it was like a round table that Oprah had and uh, the gentleman was talking about why they cheated on their wife and one brother who I listened to, he was talking about he basically, he basically cheated on his wife because she wasn't there when he. She worked her. too much. She worked, she worked too, much. too much, and he needed he needed her to be there when uh he pick up the phone and be like uh. He wanted her on demand. Yeah, he, like very needy. He was a. He very said needy when I guy. called her. He said when I call her, and I want to tell her about my day, or if I want to tell her about something funny, I want her to be able to answer the phone when I call her. And he was serious as hell. Absolutely. So, so he started cheating on his wife with the with the old girl at the daycare center because it started. He said it started out as a uh, the flirtation is your son is cute. Mm -hmm. Men uh, do use so, their children, you know, to pick up women. Yeah, they and they use their children to pick up women. I guess. So how do y'all feel about that, ladies? Uh, you know, I know we discussed it before and we texted about it earlier. Well, you know, I thought I thought he was a weak sucker. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and he has very, very low self-esteem. And when you find yourself in relationships with people where you have to complete them and you have to be there all in all, that's what happens. It just doesn't seem, it doesn't sound like or feel like it was um, a genuine relationship. It felt like, because he's at some point he was like, um, the woman who was giving me all the attention, this woman used to do that for me. You know, my wife used to give me all of this attention. And then she started working 50, 60 hours a week and she was no longer giving me any attention. And I felt like, you know, I was home with the kids a lot and, you know, she wasn't there for me. And I think what he meant was like sexually. So it makes me think that if she has to work 50, 60 hours a week and, and she had no quality of life, he never once said to himself, well, damn, my, my wife was working 50, 60 hours a week. Maybe I need to pick up another job so that she can come home and spend some time with me, so that she doesn't have to work so much time. It was like he was never concerned about her quality of, of life. He was more or less felt like 
you know, on top of us needing you to spend to work that that hard, you still need to be here for me. And you need your wife to do all to be to stroke your ego to do all of those. She's not a servant. There was no give and take. It just felt like she was doing so much to maintain her household and she cared more about her family as a whole. And he, on the other hand, was only concerned about his own selfish needs. You think you think you you guys think that that's that that's some underlying issues? Like he basically thought that she was supposed to be a like we said needy. Like he wanted her to be subservient to him. You think that was some underlying issues there? I mean, um, I don't. It, it, again, it just seemed like it was more sexual. It was almost like he wanted to be her child. He wanted her to stroke his ego, pay him attention, be home for him, answer the phone for him. Like she, she needed to do all of those things. I just, I was just very unclear of what his role was in the relationship. If she's working that often, she's working that much during the week, and you still want her to do all of those things for you, then what was your role in the relationship? And why was she working so much? Because if your issue was to see her, then do something so that she doesn't have to work so often, so that you can spend time with her and see her. Um. I just wondered about the relationship. Like, what was it like beforehand? Like, why was she working so many hours now that she wasn't in the dating stage? And was he working? Because he was acting more like he was the house husband. Mm -hmm. um, so was it some type of insecurity? Because now she was the breadwinner and maybe something happened with his job. I don't know. I needed context. But I just, you know, people to me sometimes don't want to do the work that is necessary in relationships. Um, and I'm people, so I get it. But, <laughs> I, <laughs> but you know, I say that up front. And I don't know. It's like he expected her to do all the work and he wasn't really putting in any effort or any work. I think it's interesting that, he, that, that these guys... Uh... That, that that this individual always seems to get these type of dudes to come on her show, to come on her panel. I mean, I, you saw that the one guy um, wrote a book because he had never been faithful. So I don't know why he chose to write a book and tell all the secrets. But the panel that they had there was because all of if you watch the end of the video. The husbands were all the husbands and wives were all holding hands and their arms were wrapped together. And I thought to myself, I could never, <laughs> I could never like be married to somebody. You, you embarrass me, and then I'm going to come out on public television and hold hands with you to support you because you were weak. Right. Now, if I did something to you, and you, I've always said I can understand certain levels of cheating. If I did something to you and I was being a whole asshole and a whole bitch and I was neglecting you and you did something, at some point I have to eat my behavior if I contributed to you cheating. But most of those women, one woman was like, you know, everything was perfect. And I was blindsided. I was oblivious to what had happened. And my husband was having an entire relationship with somebody else while being madly in love with me. And that's why I didn't know. And she was like, I wanted to kill the mistress. And the man who wrote the book was like, but do you, you hear how you are not blaming him? You're blaming the woman. 
Like, you know, everything is her fault. Even the guy with the, with the wife who worked 50, 60 hours a week, he constantly, constantly said all kinds of things that were blaming her and the reason why she, why he had to cheat on her. He was doing like he, it was like, and a man kept trying to bring them back, back to reality and to say like, you know, you're responsible for this. You're responsible for not communicating what you needed or doing something in your relationship to make your relationship work. You're responsible for this. And somebody telling you your kid is cute in school. Like, are you kidding me? And he was like, I knew that's when she asked when I knew she liked me. And he was grinning and stuff. And I was like, so somebody tells you your kid is cute. And they like you? Really? It's 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 like I, I don't I someone someone on Facebook. Can you turn your microphone down just a little bit? Some somebody on okay, okay. Somebody on Facebook asked what's the question. Actually, we put two videos up in Let's Talk prior to us coming live in reference to a panel that Oprah had with some men that was cheating. This is what we're talking about right now. So it really wasn't a question that we asked. We're just having an open discussion about the panel. Right. Shakita, so, um, Shakita let then, me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Do you, How did you think about what he said at the end? Like, I didn't realize I could hurt someone so much. Oh my God. Just be, just over like, and then, and then in the, in the split screen, she's over there crying because I, I guess she's still with him. That's why you got to leave people. That's why, that's why you got to leave people when they treat you bad. Cause you don't get over that. You got to be gone. But he was like, you know, and just in the split, like, okay. So for people who don't, who didn't watch the video, once he had begun his affair and started cheating, the mistress, he started cheating on his wife because she was working 50, 60 hours a week and she was not readily available for him when he wanted her to be. And literally that's what he said. She was not available for me and I wanted her to be there when I snapped my fingers and she wasn't because she was too busy working and he was tired of being home with the kids. This is what he said. So once the affair kicked off, um, the mistress got fed up and she said, I'm going to tell on you and I'm going to tell your wife. And the reason why he told um, the wife that he had been cheating was because he did not want the mistress to tell. He was also asked at that point, were you done cheating on your wife? And he said, no, not really. I just didn't want my mistress to tell her. And then she has the upper hand. I wanted it to come from me. So he sits the wife down one night when she comes home from work and tells her that she, um, he was cheating on her with the mistress, with the woman from that he met at the daycare. Their children were in class together and that's who he was cheating on his wife with. And um, the, he said, you know, I can't believe I didn't I couldn't I didn't believe that I could hurt somebody in such in a split second. Like, you know, she was hurt so bad. And, you know, and he didn't seem remorseful. And I always tell people if you're this, my, this is just my opinion. This is not fact, but this is my opinion. If a man cheats on you and you have it together, you're not perfect, but you have it together. You have a good career. You're taking care of home and you're doing the best you possibly can. You, you know, and you have it together and he's literally going out to cheat on you. Nine times out of 10, he's jealous or his self-esteem is so low. The purpose of him cheating on you is to hurt you. He wants you to feel how he's feeling inside. 
And when the minute I saw him say, you know, I didn't know I could hurt somebody in, in a split second. I, di I didn't know I can make somebody feel like that. And it felt like he was gloating. He wasn't even remorseful. There was no, his emotion was just really cold. And I thought, that's what he did he to her. He wasn't remorseful. It was her mm -mm. fault. He cheated on her because he wanted her to hurt. He wanted to show her, who do you think you are working 50, 60 hours a week, leaving me home by myself? Let me take you off your pedestal. Let me show you what I can but, do. But did, but did the household need that 50, 60 hours a week? Oh, I'm sure. Like that, like, but it did. did, it did. I'm going to ask you a question. Like, I, I, I've seen a lot of like panel discussions with stuff like that. Did he... And we don't know what's in nobody's heart, but did he seem sincere or it just seemed like he just was talking about it and she forgave him? He wanted it, to be the star of the show. Yeah. He talked the most out of everybody. He wanted to be the star. And it just felt like, you know, I, I all I kept thinking was, I hope she goes and finds her a really nice man who really likes her and appreciates her sacrifice that she put in for a family. Because the kind of men, I, you know, some of the men that I know are men who work 50, 60 hours a week. You know, you understand what I'm saying? And when they come home, they want to come home to peace. They want to come home to a clean house. They want to come home to maybe something to eat. They want to come home to, you know, relaxation in their wives all while not spending any time with her, wanting her to understand after she's worked her regular seven or eight hours a day, taking care of kids and doing everything else. They want understanding because they feel like this sacrifice is for us. So here you have a man who should understand that and, and is completely oblivious to the sacrifice that his partner has put out into the world. Because if she's not spending time with you, she's probably not spending time with her kids either. Like, how dare you take advantage of somebody doing something that's going to better the whole entire household? Because mm -hmm. if the shoe was on the other foot, that it would be some smoke. Literally, people go around, men go around and, and say stuff like, oh, men at work get cheated on. You know what I mean? We can't even find good women because we work too much. All y'all... And, you, and I've said to, to these very same men, you have to find time to spend time with your spouse. No matter whether she cheats or not, you have to find time. So I'm not, I'm not completely saying that at some point she needs to spend time and make time for her family. But his, ex, but but we're not talking about that. We're talking about his his excuse for cheating is wrong. It's absolutely. Hey, hey, we got we we got we got a a question from your illustrious buddy Keisha, Rel. He said, "So y'all understand how husbands feel about their wife then." What? What that mean? Rel, what you mean, Rel? Get at us. We, we, you lost us, Rel. How we feel about our... Uh, does he mean from the no, perspective Rel, that I... Rel, if you still, I, I just suggest that everybody, before they ask any question, I don't want to be rude to nobody, and I'm being very, very serious when I say this. You have to check out the video. The video, we I put it in the group about 8 o'clock. It's a panel discussion that Oprah had it was it's only like some, four minutes long. Yeah, it's about some gentlemen that cheated on their wives. We're talking about that. We're going to talk about another video that I put in there as well with Bootsy. So just to give y'all to up to speed, anybody that just joined the program, that's what you're talking about. You said she just said it. You're talking about you, Keita? Oh, so what he's saying is, but that's understandable from any, from anyone. I'm saying from the husband's perspective, as a man, men understand that. Most men sacrifice 
and work for their family and for their household. So if you see your wife doing that, how are you so weak that you say, well, you know what? She's not there for me on demand. I think the difference is, and I get what he's saying, but I, I think the difference is when, when most of the time when I hear women complain, it's because they've been saying to their husband, spend time with me. I have not seen you. I don't, you know, it, it's an issue for me and they're upset about it and they fight and they argue about it. I think that's the difference. A, a woman is going to keep coming at you and saying, where's my time? What, what do we have? What, what's going on here? He, on the other hand, he just was just selfish. I want to call her and I want her to answer the phone when, when I when I answer. You know what I mean? She's not, the, the new woman was in lingerie. The new woman was home in lingerie, waiting for me to come over and, you know, making my favorite food and doing all of this stuff for me. And the man who wrote the book said, that's because she don't have any responsibilities, sir. So, but go ahead, Keisha. My, my thoughts is it doesn't matter who's working the 50, 60 hours, whether it's a man or a woman, but you have to make time for your relationship and you have to communicate if you're not getting what you need. So it doesn't have anything to do with whether it's the woman that's overworking or the man that's overworking. I agree. I just feel like as a man, he should understand because that's typically the man's role. They be jealous because when it's in my experience, the women that I know that are the go-getters and they have the husband who is not as, you know, as not as much of a go-getter, mm. they be, for lack of a better word, it's like they're almost jealous of their of, of the woman that they're with they're not gonna see it as you know she's doing this and she's working so hard to sacrifice for the family so, right that's i don't that's what i've seen i don't think he opinion. did either i think she was probably like, and again mo like you know that's what i think that's why he cheated because he wanted to show her and make her feel bad that's all I, it I just think. seems like that those type of women unfortunately get men that's not as ambitious as they are Hassan, Hassan advised us that we we have an echo going, ladies. I don't know where it's coming from. I think it's you because I be on I'm on mute, so I hear it when Shakita's talking. Hold on. From you. Hold on. Shit. Yeah, could you still hear it? No. I a rel rel rel's put uh. Shakita, if you want to answer this question, or, or or Keisha, he put cheating is not the answer to a busy husband. Finding your own life is. You're real. You correctly. You're well, correctly. We're, that is, it's true, but we're not. We're talking the what we're talking about is the husbands were cheating on the wife. Yeah. The husband was cheating on the wife who was working 50, 60 hours a week, and we had said for her to work, if he felt as though her 50, 60 hours a week was too much for him, then why wasn't he doing something to alleviate the fact that she had to work 50, 60 hours a week? That's what we said. We're nobody's, you know, I only use the a man, a woman as a example, because typically men are the ones who are working 50, 60 hours a week. And he, as a man should be able to understand that sacrifice that she was doing to provide for her family that's all i was saying yeah it's, it's important it's important that um like i said everybody check out the video everybody's perspective on the information in the video might be different but like from a man's perspective after i watched the video 
I basically think he was making excuses on why he cheated. I mean, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, when you get to a certain point, like, and he even said it, he cheated and he told his wife because he knew the side piece was going to tell her. Mm-hmm. So he did like what we call a preemptive strike. <laughs> he yeah. said, "He said, let me tell on myself and come clean, because he's yeah, been blaming the because the wife had been accusing him for so long of cheating, and he was like, not me. I ain't cheating. I'm not doing this and that. So he basically did what we call a preemptive strike for all these guys that may be watching that used to be players or whatever. So he did the preemptive strike to, to, to save himself from uh, – the embarrassment of mm-hmm. an outside entity coming in so he could come and try to smooth his wife over. And even the ending part of his statement, like, I, I mean, it's really interesting that he said that he he never realized he could hurt somebody so much. And he almost like he, he gloated in it. He almost behaved as if he liked it. He's sick. He has low self-esteem. <laughs> He's mentally abusive. <laughs> He's sick. He needs to go sit on somebody's couch. He, he clearly was, don't he work was, enough. He, was, he needs to go he, get he, a job. He was on somebody's couch. He was with Okra. Well, he was there with another man, a black man, who was trying to counsel and help. So Oprah was like doing what you were doing. The other man, the black man who wrote the book, wrote the book, and they were reading different inserts from um, different um, chapters. I'm glad you said something about a book. I got a book I want I want the group to try to get. I'll show it to y'all later. But do you think that uh, in wrapping up this issue, y'all think we discussed this issue enough? Everybody should be able to yeah, check it out? Yeah, that's enough. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to go. Let's go to, let's go to the, this COVID issue um, that nobody wants to kind of discuss. That... um. We we have in one of the areas that some a bunch of the people in the group are from. Like um, Keisha asked a question on her personal page: Is a particular area in our town is it a hot spot? So Keisha, uh, take it away. You did some research. You looked into it. Was it a hot spot, huh? Well, I'm just gonna say this. My understanding what a hot spot is is it's an area um, where they either have a lot of cases or so on and so forth. So for Newark, which is another, is a big area in New Jersey, their mayor is routinely saying, you know, FYI, this area is a hotspot, FYI, this area is a hotspot, so on and so forth. So for the town that we come from, it's a town of over 50,000 people, right? So we have, right now, I think the mayor sent us out, it's been 64 deaths. And about a thousand or so people who've had COVID. Now, there's an area in town, in a part of our town, that has about three to four thousand people in it. We all know that a lot in that area, a lot of people have been sick. We know had some deaths in that area. And people are saying, oh, well, it's too soon to be asking the question of it's if it's a hot spot, how is it too soon? Are we are we not too late to the party to be asking the question? I just don't understand how other areas is so forthcoming with information, but to me, our area or where we grew up with is not as forthcoming. Um, 
So within this area, you know, it's the Dunkin' Donuts that a lot of people who live there, that's the Dunkin' Donuts they frequent. It's a, it's a Wawa in Maplewood. That's a Wawa a lot of them frequent. It's the Whole Foods. It's a Target. It's the Best Buy over there. All these places, the people within that area, they frequent a lot because it's right there. What To me, that's what constitutes a hotspot. That's why I'm asking the question. Like, so when when is the right time to ask these type of questions? How come some areas are so forthcoming with this information and other areas are not? Um, so that's just the, the type of thing that's bothering me, especially when you look at the numbers. Oh, we've it's only been about 64 deaths in all of Union. But in that area and people who have frequented that area, um, or people who even live in that area, how many deaths you think, Quinn? In that area? In that area. I ain't talking about the people who just come to visit because that's another thing. If we're talking about social distancing, but if my parents um, were somewhere and I had to get to them or I had to bring them stuff back and forth, in the beginning, people were going to see their parents. People were you know, um, coming to and from because it wasn't as bad. Um, so that is a way for people to, you know, get sick or it was I a think, party. I, I think or, that, um, and, I, and I'm basing my opinion off of my limited knowledge, but I'm not no dummy as well. Um, I think that the, num the numbers are being played with. As a lot of doctors said, I, yeah, that um, a lot of deaths are becoming COVID deaths because these hospitals are getting more money. These hospitals are getting money for having ventilators. I know that it has been a lot of people sick that haven't went to the hospital that's been basically self-quarantining at home, fighting it, using natural home remedies to fight the COVID. And but they that's have, what the doctors are telling you, too. Like, I have, a, I have a friend on Facebook. She lives in Maplewood. And she swears that she had COVID and her mother died of COVID. And she's been adamant the last couple of weeks uh, doing lives, talking about it. And like a lot of times now you could get the test. But prior to this, nobody could get a test. Um, right. So like for me, my aunt had, right? I had to self-quarantine and self-isolate for 14 days. Um, I did, my parents, my son. She was here every day. Now, what's the likelihood that none, how is that possible but that none of us have had it? It's not really possible. Um, but I wasn't allowed to get tested because I don't have any symptoms. Or if I have symptoms of, um, if you didn't have a fever or what's now, if you don't have, you can't breathe, the hospitals are not really testing you. Um, a lot of it is self-isolate, you know, or I know people who have called the doctor and the doctor told, gave them a prescription for vitamin C and some zinc. It's not like, you know, they're getting all this medicine if you're not really, really, really sick. So a lot of things are being manipulated, but I still don't understand why the information is not forthcoming to all areas. Yeah, and I, I'm I just, very I just, concerned I just, with some of the messages. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I just believe that the elected officials, they don't know, and they're basically doing what we call when I was when I was away. We used to call 
this thing called pacifying people. And they used to, administration used to do this frequently. They still pacify you. Something be going on, like when MRSA, MRSA, MRSA is known to spread in the, jails. In, mm -hmm. in the jail system, in the hospitals. right? Hospitals. So what they would do, right? They'll put on a, a, a particular good state movie on and have us locked down for two and three days when something in the jail is going on. And this is what people do in administrative positions in on the, in society is they pacify people. Uh, one of the things that I think that a lot of times people don't realize is that these people play politics. And I and I'm and I'm just, and I'm gonna just bring this up and I'm not criticizing Governor Cuomo at all. But he criticized Trump for not wearing a mask, but he wasn't aware of the mask when he said it. It's just the weirdest thing. So I'm just using that as an example. Like we got we're allowing politics to be played with us. We're allowing the numbers to be uh, uh, played with. And when we ask these type of questions, it's like we're the bad guy. We're treating each other like we're the bad guys for asking the questions. Like oh, if you're you a conspiracy the theorist. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, I just don't understand. I just don't see it as being as forthcoming as as it should be, especially when you're in a town, you're in a township with over 50,000 people, I believe. I'm gonna look again. And, you know, this town has a lot of people that have it because it's a train station, it's a bus to New York. Like, you know, like people are bigging up Cuomo and Dog and Murphy when our issue might be a little worse than New York. So it's just weird all across the board to me. Shakita, we can't hear you. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. Okay, because I have muted it. So, but this is the part that I don't understand, right? So I'm I don't live in those, I don't live in that area. But if these people live in that area and you all to some degree are familiar with who has it, what neighbors have it, um, and you have to put yourself in self-quarantine. Are people really in self quarantine? Like, are you are you really not going out of the house for the entire fourteen days? Are you like literally not going out of the house for the entire fourteen days? Like, are you just in the house? You're not going to the store. You're not getting in your car. You're not going anywhere. You're not doing for fourteen days. Are these very same people taking all of the proper precautions? Are you getting undressed when you get home? Are you spraying yourself with Lysol? Are you? Washing your hands, washing your face. Like, are you doing everything you need to do if you know that this environment is this way? Because you can't self-quarantine or isolate either one. You can't do either one successfully if you're not taking it seriously and doing it. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not, and I'm, and by no means am I out of the woods. You know, I, I pray every day and I just keep trying to do all of the proper procedures, but when you know my son comes home from the hospital, he has to take off all of his clothes outside. I spray him down with alcohol and he goes directly into the shower. His clothes are left outside, his jacket, it's, I, it's sprayed down with Lysol and then it dries because it needs to dry in order for it to work. Because if anything is on you, it's gonna be on there until you spray it with something. 
or until it has enough time to go away. So are you following all of the proper protocols to keep yourself clean and keep yourself safe, especially if you know that the environment you're in is a risky environment? Like I would be I, I don't think that I don't think that people really have put two and two together that it may be a risky environment. And I'm also going to say I don't think that people are now when I had to isolate for 14 days I did, right? But I don't think that people really are I, I mean, I'm just going. To a, I would never go to a Dunkin' Donuts. I would never go to a Wawa. I would never go to a Quick Check. I would. I would never do any of those things. I, I just would never. Right, because but then on the on the reverse. So I hear what you're saying, but then you you on the reverse, the township people are saying, um, support small businesses. They are pushing you to go support small businesses. So it's like. You're in a catch twenty two. Like I, for me, I'm not eating out like I was eating out before. You know, that's just very rarely, um, because like Quentin and I have had that this, this that discussion a lot of times. Like for me, I don't know how much restaurant I'm doing and how much bars I'm doing, um, because I, you know, how do you really social distance in, in those type of environments? Because you know, I'm not going to be the first person outside. Mm-hmm. But on the reverse, I know people that's not. It was Mother's Day. You saw people that lived in two different houses. They got their pictures up on social media. You know, they weren't social dish. Oh, we had a, a, a barbecue or we had a this or we had a that. Now, in the case of where, you know, the town that we're talking about, I think some of that, though, was before it was considered problematic, you know, because when this first started, you know, they weren't really making it seem like it was as bad as it is now. If that you know, on Mother's Day, I wanted my mother and my sisters to come over. And I put the chairs. Now, you, you, you neither one of you have ever been in my house. But my backyard is like a small park. And I had all of the chairs lined up where we can sit in the chair. And I just wanted to see them and socialize. When I wasn't sure if the weather was going to be nice, I said, y'all can't come over here because you can't come inside my house. Mm-hmm. So it was one thing to want to see them and, and doing all of the proper precautions and everything I needed to do to make sure that when they got here, they can be clean. I had made a box and in the box was hand sanitizer, wipes, Lysol, alcohol, pads, and everything else that everybody needed to keep their hands and everything else clean. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I went through that. Ex- I-, I wanted to go the extra mile to make sure that everybody felt safe and comfortable. Everybody had masks. We were all ready. But when it was like, you might have to come inside, you can't come in here. And and it was, you know, you have to draw the line. You have to draw the line. It's, it's, it's just a bunch of, uh, as we say, smoke and mirrors. It's a bunch of misinformation going on. It's really sad. And like, 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 like KK said, you could only eat but so much uh, fresh fruits and vegetables because they will go bad quickly in your refrigerator yeah. house. I'm always at the farm. Like you don't as much as my my family eats so many vegetables. I'm at the farmers market at, at least every other week. And I don't even want to go that much. But in order to keep f- fresh fruit in the house, I have to. And everything goes bad. I got mangoes in the freezer that I had to cut up and put in the and that's, that's, that's another th- All that stuff just going bad. That's another thing about the COVID um, that's interesting is that we have a lot of people in the medical industry that's in the group. 
And you would think I'm getting feedback from one of y'all. <laughs> you would think that um you we wouldn't be getting this. They're living in ground, they're working in ground zero. They're working where the COVID is, whether it's airborne or not. And we know that they have uh in the hospitals, you got air suction rooms and all that stuff, and it's like an isolation. But at the end of the day, like even if you work in the medical industry, you don't have a mask on every day. You don't wear a mask all day, every day. And then they got people out here telling you when you out, you got to wear a mask. People getting mad. At the end of the day, and I tried to explain this to some people, I'm an asthmatic. And as an asthmatic, one thing that they teach you is when you can't breathe, what happens is your body is, your lungs are working overtime to breathe properly. So what happens is your oxygen level goes down. This is the same thing that happens when a person is out for eight, nine hours a day with a mask on. So if you're out, you're not supposed to wear a mask all day. You're just supposed to go to the store, throw a mask on, if that's what you choose to do, and that's it. You're not supposed to be wearing a mask for no eight, nine hours a day. And I'm going to ask anybody that and that's watching, if you wore a mask all day and you was out all day, Share with us in the chat how you felt, because I know how you felt. I just want you to share it in the chat. But why are they out anyway all day long? Like go, it, it, it's stay at it's a stay at home order. We're supposed to be in the house. Go to the store and take your butt back in the house. What are you doing? It's nothing open. What are you doing? Just riding around. And if you're riding around and you're in your car, why do you have your mask on in your car? It's just you. I when I if I'm going to the store, my windows are cracked. I have my windows. I have my windows cracked. I'm getting some fresh air. I drive to the store. I don't have on my mask. Before I go into the store, I put it on, leave the store, get in my car. I take it off. I don't put it back on unless I am around other people. My son goes for a walk every single day. He gets up. He goes for a walk. I tell him, take your mask with you just in case you come in contact with somebody or if somebody tries to stop you and say something to you, make sure you have it with you. How are you supposed to walk and have on a mask? You can hardly breathe. So what you got it on for? You it's only to protect you against other people. If there's nobody outside, then what you got in a mask for? Well, I mean, like we were talking in the background though, like people are like the COVID police. Like, you know, I have seen, you know, people walking outside and then they'll say, look at them walking outside without their mask. Like they probably can't breathe. And you know, if they just trying to take a walk, but you know, or it's just going to be challenging. Some people going COVID going to have some people getting their ass whooped. There's just going to be challenges. Like you go in the store and you just go to walk and then someone's yelling, you're not social distancing. Um, but if I got my mask on and you got your mask on and I'm just trying to get by you, it should be okay. So I don't know. It's just somebody the next in the couple months are going to be interesting. Somebody in the group said entrepreneurs can't don't have the luxury to stay at home. Okay, then go out. But where are you going where you're out and you have to wear a mask for eight hours a day? I'm confused. If you're if you're if you're if you have a business, it's not curbside. Who's coming inside? Who, like who even the whole Dunkin' Donuts, Wawa, people are coming inside. 
I thought those places were supposed to be closed. I thought they were supposed to let a couple of people in at a time. Like, who is wearing a mask for eight hours a day? You're, you're not a doctor. You're not a nurse. You're not around other COVID-19 patients. You're not on a, you're not on an MTV, EMT truck. What are you doing out eight hours a day with a mask on? Are you driving in a car with your mask on? I don't. I see people all the time drive. I can't breathe. If I go for a walk, why do I have on my mask? There's nobody. I don't know where y'all live. I go for a walk. Ain't nobody outside. And my, nope. my Shakita, my, my buddy's favorite pet peeve is people that be wearing a mask while they're in their car. Yes, where with are you the windows why? up. Why? Why are you having a mask in the car? If you got okay, just say I had to run out, right? I'm, I'm I did my rounds for the for the month or, or every two weeks, right? And I gotta go to Costco. I am not going to put my mask on in my house, walk to my car with the mask on, drive. The, I'm not doing it. I don't put it on until I go in inside of Costco. If you have your own business and you're working in your establishment and you're not sick and your coworkers and your and, and how many people you have work even in your even in these uh Olive Garden and, and Outback and all these places to open, they don't even have that many staff members working at a time. How many people are you around that you need to have on the mask for eight hours a day? Now, if you was over exaggerating, all right, I get it. But if you can't stay home, nobody say you have to. But why do you have on a mask for eight hours a day? <laughs> hey, listen, any anybody on Facebook, make sure, I mean, anybody on YouTube watching the program, make sure you hit the like button. We're trying to set these algorithms off so people, more people come to the show. This is very important, and I can't stress it enough that it's an algorithm issue. So anybody that's watching via YouTube, make sure that you hit the like button. Uh, we trying to set the algorithm right. So, are we still going to finish talking about this? Or are we going to go to next. these next issues? Let them wear their mask and be breathless and and all that other stuff. I don't, I can't. So, which one y'all want to talk about first? Uh, Bootsy or <laughs> uh, yeah, or or the uh, Ahmad issue. I don't think, I mean, you know, I'd rather talk about Ahmad than, than, than to talk about Bootsy. I mean, but we can briefly discuss Bootsy. We can briefly discuss Bootsy if, if need be. I mean, I don't think there's much that needs to be said, but I, I'd rather discuss Ahmad a little bit. I don't think there's much we can say about it, but we can discuss it. All right, so what's the latest? I know I've seen the... um. The lady from the realtor company saying that he didn't because they tried to come out with this video justifying him getting murdered. And the lady had to come out and explain, like, yo, what he did was not wrong right. by going into the building. He didn't steal nothing. He didn't break any laws. He technically wasn't trespassing. Right. So that's the, the last bit of information that I know about his I case. I saw his mother. I don't know when it was aired. So I don't know if that was today or yesterday, but I did see his mother and she was discussing how she felt about the people, the how she felt about the murder, the people who murdered her son. And <clears throat> they were asking her about the death penalty. And she said, you know, she would definitely be for that because she feels like the people who killed her children deserve death as well. And I was looking and I was like, and all I kept thinking was, However you get it, how however you get it, however it come, I, it needs to happen. I mean, you know, I I can't imagine what she's going through, and I I just I cannot imagine. And then you have to get on national TV 
and be so diplomatic and, and pleasant and say things like, you know, death penalty versus what you probably really want to say. I mean, because think about how long it takes for somebody to even, for all of that to even happen and for you to actually, you know, be put to death. You know what I mean? How long you got to deal with that and look at that. So that was the last I saw. She's pleasant and calm, but I can't imagine what she's going through. I'm sick of us being, yeah, I'm coming. I'm I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of being pleasant and calm. I'm sick of marching. I'm sick of we shall overcome. I mean, if damn it, if we ain't overcame by now. Um, and I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. And I think that until white people start saying that these things are wrong, like what makes you think that I can ask a stranger? What are you doing? If I saw somebody committing a crime or doing something that looks sneaky or something that they wasn't supposed to be doing, I'm going to call the police. I'm a law-abiding citizen. I'm not going to walk up to them and say, what are you doing here? So, I mean, like, I don't even know what we're talking about. Like, it just doesn't make any damn sense to me at this point, you know. And yes, I'm a mother with a son. I got nephews brothers, cousins, like, at what point do you become sick? Or at what point do you, they say, this is not right? Like, you know, what Candace Owens trying to make excuses? Like, it's just, I don't know. I'm. It's just damn ridiculous at this point. And that's all I can say. It's very difficult <coughs> for me to watch the movie. I mean, you know, the interviews with the parents and the this and the that and to feel their hurt and pain and feel like that could be my hurt and pain. It's just, it's it's ridiculous. And what was he doing? Jogging, going for a walk? Did they ever call the police? Or he was doing right. Well, the, the guy from, the man who owns the house said he had not filed, he had not called the police at any time in that last month. He had not filed any complaints saying that something was stolen. So basically he's saying that the the, the two uh, men who murdered um, Ahmad were lying. They said, oh, there's been some reports that people have been stealing and that somebody has stolen something out of the house. That was all a lie. And I, for one, um, I remember at one point I was looking for a house and I would drive around because a lot of times the listings don't come up on you know, the basic uh, Zillow and all that other stuff. So I was like, well, I know where I want to live, right? So let me drive around the neighborhood. And I did. And sometimes I would, um, sometimes I had to, if depending on how big the front yard was, I had to get out of my car and walk up a few steps to look at the number because I couldn't see it so that I can then Google it <clears throat> later and, and pull up the information. Now, could you imagine if I was in, or if there was a nosy neighbor or something that said this woman is walking, driving around, walking up to this uh, um, abandoned house and she's looking in the windows and then I get pulled over and I have to explain that and I get caught up with a racist cop and I have to explain what I was doing when I'm just literally window shopping, you know? So it's not, 
so it's not so uh, off that a person would see a house in construction or see a house for sale and want to walk up to it and take a look and look inside because he clearly was just probably like wow like you know they he probably thought to himself wow they put that house up really really quickly i want to go and take a look it's open you know and if, and if a house is unsafe there's usually a sign that says you know no um no trespassing there was no sign that said no trespassing so why wasn't he doing something that regular people don't do all the time? And if you're worried about somebody doing something that they have no business doing, you do have to call the police. This is like when people work for, um, what is that? When you, uh, loss prevention at the mall, those people who work in loss prevention, their lives are on the line all the time because people who are stealing want to get away. And they'll stab you. They'll they'll fight you to the death because they want to steal a shirt and get away. So they're always told, "Be you can't confront somebody that's doing something. Be very careful when you're confronting somebody that's stealing from your store. People people get stabbed and sliced and cut all the time because they want to get away. So who do you think you are that you can confront a rob somebody who's a robber or somebody that's a, a that could be a potential killer or a, what would make you want to do that? I don't believe him. I think I, I I don't believe him. And I know they were lying. They just didn't want him in their neighborhood. They wanted to show him and teach him a lesson. And that's just that. I, I have a, I have a, a, a very different perspective. I mean, it, it, we all know that it was a murder. Um, it's not, it's not justifiable for anybody that is not in active law enforcement to kill anybody unless it's a life or death situation. And these guys, he was running. They could have followed him to where he was going and then called law enforcement or whatever. I mean, they murdered him. And 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 uh, it didn't become an issue until it got on camera and the camera came out and it happened in February. But like one of the, one of the issues that I got in looking into the, looking into his murder is I have a problem with us as people because we we have gotten to a point like we're very reactionary instead of proactive. We we react to everything. I mean, okay, he got killed. We're upset. He, we want justice. Lee Merritt on the scene. Benjamin Crump on the scene. Okay, they might get found guilty. They might not get found guilty. It might be a settlement. And then six months after that, we're gonna forget about it. I mean, it's it's constant cases over and over and looking up the research is that hate crime is not a, it's not a crime to have hate crimes in Georgia. Georgia, Wyoming, Arkansas, and South Carolina don't have hate crime laws. I know it sounds crazy for people that's listening because Dylan Roof was in South Carolina. So you would think that our people that are into politics would have the hate crime laws on the books. Definitely these type of places down there where the Confederacy was very strong down there at one time. So mm -hmm. you would expect that the hate the hate crime would be on the laws. There is lynching laws on the books. Thanks to our beautiful queen, Ida B. Wells, the lynching laws are there, but this is not considered a lynching. And they actually just revised the lynching law with the was with like they did some Emmett Till uh, revivals and they they put some other language in there which was great, but I just find it ironic that it's no hate crimes on the law. Like 
it is going to be so hard for them to prove what we would consider murder. Now, I don't know the statutes in Georgia, but to prove murder is not an easy case to prove. Anybody that know anything about the law, murder is probably the hardest case to prove because you have to prove intent. You could prove, you could they could say it was manslaughter. Manslaughter is not murder. Manslaughter is seven years. And for some people, you might get time served, depending on if you got the complexion for the connection. So I just think that we always hear that our ancestors died for the right to vote. No, my ancestors did not die for the right to vote. My ancestors died for freedom, justice, and equality. The right to vote came with that. So them people that's in Georgia, them people that's in South Carolina, we stand with them. But at the end of the day, y'all voting these people in office that don't got y'all best interests at heart. Y'all ain't even protected. You're not even a protected class. We've been marginalized. All of us know about our history with slavery, so forth and so on. These were Confederate states. Like the Confederate flag was on South Carolina state flag, and I think it might still be. And 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 they don't have hate crimes. So you know, I I, I know that's a rant. It's just something that that that's just been bothering me. Like, yo, what are we doing? I I had asked y'all to watch. The, um, the documentary on HBO about the murdered children in Georgia um, a few weeks ago. And I wanted, at first I wanted you to watch it because I thought, I felt like, oh, this man didn't kill these kids and you got to watch it, right? But then once I got, once it got more into the documentary, and you saw the way that Georgia was up and coming, the black mayor, the black city officials, and how little they had done to protect almost 30 murdered babies in just a short amount of time, all in the same area. And how they, it, like the, 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 the Reagan, ooh, I can't even talk about Ronald Reagan, I can't stand him. <laughs> the Reagan administration, all of, Ditto what, Reagan. all of what they had done and how little they had done to make sure that these children were safe and to find the killer of these children. And at the very end, how um, the FBI was uh, investigating um, the KKK. And how once you once it's all over, you'll you you have to really watch it. And I think it speaks volumes to the laws and the way that you know they've never protected um, black people, and especially I feel like in that area. And I think what they wanted to do was they know the power of our dollar, right? So you have all these um, middle class to wealthy. Black Americans, you know, who want to live in these areas and they want to keep this area uh, economy booming and going, just like now when they want to open it up with this COVID-19, they, they want to hurry up and open it up. And <clears throat> granted, Georgia is huge and it's, you know, different areas and different people and Black people don't live in all of Georgia, right? But the way they kind of ushered them all in during that time 
to get those people there and make all of that money and who had all that money and all the things that they did. And they still did so little for them, you know, wanting with killing their children. And then to everyone's and to see and to know that these laws are not put in place to, to help them, how the, those men are always armed all the time. He's 20, he was 26 years old. Did you have a gun? Did you exercise your right to carry and to have a gun? You know, would that have helped him? Would that have saved him? You know, how many, how many people are, how many men who carry? And then somebody was like, well, if he had a gun and pulled a gun out, you know, then he would have had to go to jail. I mean, to be able to fight for your life fairly versus being gunned down like a dog or a wounded animal. I think that I think that Kita, Kita, you touching on a very good point. And I think that sometimes we as people, we got baseless slogans as black people. Because it, who wants to die a coward? Like who why wouldn't a person have a gun? Like keeping it real, like if you living in one of them type of areas where you you're in a hot spot for the uh you in a hot spot for racism. Exercise your Second Amendment right and get you a shotgun at least. At least this is what our grandfathers did. They they were hunters. They had a shotgun. The the, the wives had the little pistols that may have been at least a one shot pistol just to keep somebody up off their ass. Yeah, I remember my I remember being told a story about my great grandmother how um white man came on her land and thought that he would go into her well and get some water. And she kindly went and got her shotgun and let off a couple of, you know, a couple of little shots and told him, you need to get back in your shit and leave. You can't get no free water. A couple warnings. Yeah, a she couple said, warnings. Well, she was home by herself she, with her kids playing. She said, you can't get no water here. And he kept running off at the mouth and she let him know, I'll put a hole in you. When do you... If I, I I can't imagine living in a state like that and not being able to protect myself because what are they doing with their guns? Because we're not aggressive. We're not my, aggressive. We're not going my, around harassing them and bothering them. So is it for hunting? And then when you get ready to hunt black people, then you're armed and you're ready. My what? elder calls it the pussification of our generation. Hmm? My, <laughs> elder, my elder calls it the pussification of our generation. That the men are soft. That the men are soft. That that we have a bunch of soft guys running around here who don't understand the value of protecting and providing for their family. And this goes back to the discussion that we all had before of that village. That the men are supposed to take care of the village. They don't Come care. on, Quentin. You're going to have people mad at me and Shakita again, okay? Men who say... The village is not my responsibility. Are the very same men who say, I get tired of sharing. I get tired of the hashtags. I get tired of, you know, people outraged and this, that, and the other, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, y'all ain't going to go down there. You ain't going to go down there. You're not right. going to go there. What are you going to do? You don't even I feel care. like if you, you don't even care about the village, you don't even have the same level of outrage. You could care less. If somebody walked, and if, if, this is what I think. If I lived in an area like that and somebody murdered one of our children, 
would you have gotten up out of your bed instead of going for a jog in New Jersey? Because what else could you do, right? So in New Jersey, they're going for jogs. I'm not saying I agree, but they're going, New Jersey, New York, different places, they're going for jogs in honor of this boy, right? Mm-hmm. The people in Georgia, however many people, it wasn't a lot, but it was enough, got their guns and walked through, walked through and paced through them grown men, rifles and all. What were you going to do, Mr. I don't care about my community. I don't care about anybody, but you know, my wife in my house, I don't care about nobody, but myself, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I just think that the, uh, the, the, like I said, the slogans that we be having a lot of them be, uh, baseless because it used to be a slogan when I was a kid that my grandfather grew up in Georgia. My grandfather grew up in the, in the, in the swamps of Georgia. It's a town called Lumpkin. And he, to this day, he's an older man that is battling, old age and a little bit dementia, but he'll tell you when he was down there in 19, in the fifties, it was a slogan that they had, give me freedom or give me death. Mm. And they meant that. Like he shot his shotgun, came up here. They still hunted when they moved to New Jersey. And I just want to, want to add a, a, a tidbit because I'm looking at the comments and I want people to understand something that if you've lived in New Jersey, most of your life, you live in a very liberal state. North Jersey, number one, that's not an open carry state. Right. When you go to these other states that's open carry, I know we assume that this outcome couldn't have been different, but trust me, if Ahmad had a gun on him and he knew how to use that weapon, it's the ultimate equalizer. And the reason why I say that is because where I live at is an open carry state. And you kind of know who be having what on them, and the confrontation, the the confrontations is not as violent as they as they may seem. Y'all know how it is in the hood. Y'all know how it is. Growing, yeah, y'all know how it is growing up in Norcott or East Orange or Irvington. You y'all don't do remember that, that video? <laughs> do that. It was a video on, and it was at a Target or somewhere in the South. And the white guy was doing something to the pregnant lady, and the black guy came and interceded. And he had a gun on his hip, too. And it, like, leveled out the playing field. Like, if I was to move south, I would definitely have a gun. I would, it, it would be no doubt about it. Um, be, I mean, because at this point, and I'm not gonna, me and Quentin talked about this, too. I'm not one of these people that, you know, um, like the deaths, and if you look at statistics, it's not that more black people are killed by police or any of that. I, you know, I, it's not that I agree with that wholeheartedly, but what I do agree with is that we are definitely profiled. And what I do agree with is that people, not just white people, some Spanish, some others, they have this idea that I can say to you, even though they're in fear, Hey, you, why are you over there? What are you doing over there? Like, to me, that is insane. I would never go. If I ride through one of these towns that's, you know, because I travel a lot, that's like predominantly white and it's a little sketchy. I'm not even stopping. I'm not pulling up to ask them, hey, you, what you doing over there? So I just don't even understand how a same person is going to ask somebody something who you think is doing something illegal or a crime who you're in fear of like that you know the shit it just boggles my mind it it, it really does 
But he, yes, I think if he had had a gun, it would have equaled the scenario. I mean, a it, bit. it might it might have ended up the same way, but I'm just I just want people yeah, to understand that if you haven't been in these type of confrontations, you'll know that when you you live in the city, definitely like in North Jersey, dudes be arguing over the dumbest stuff. Stepped on my sneaker. You looked at me the wrong way. In other places, the conflict resolution is totally different. Like a lot of the issues, y'all know what we used to say back in the day. The only way a down south joker can hurt you if you mess with his woman. Because it's more peace. It's more love. It's that quote-unquote southern hospitality. But when you're in those areas and you're dealing with that element of hate, you gotta have your act right, man. You gotta have the equalizer with you. You gotta have your. I'm gonna suggest this. You have you a shotgun, and have you a pistol. This is my what I'm grand, gonna say. My grandfather. The summers I spent in North Carolina, I've watched my grandfather on a number. Now, my grandfather's where my grandfather lived is, is really is a really big piece of land. There's uh, a pond. And his house and a couple other houses he built. So from where he lives, if I come down the street, I'm walking far. So I'm just saying that to say, like, th- this it's a huge space. My grandfather, summer after summer, pulls his gun out. S- literally. And you, if he don't recognize, first of all, you don't ride up on nobody's house. So if he does not recognize who you are, recognize your vehicle, he has his shotgun waiting to see who is pulling up. Because you, in, in those types of areas, you don't just ride up on nobody's house and not nobody's property. You don't do that. So he don't know if you're coming to steal something or not, but he's not going to stand there and not be ready to protect himself if he needed to. He's pleasant as pie, but he ready to pop off if he had to. I remember coming from the store and somebody must have called. I came from my grandfather had a a store. It was a a convenience store and a gas station combined. And I walked to go get a slushy. I wasn't supposed to because it's far. And I was walking back. Whoever called him on the phone said, I see your granddaughter. And they didn't like how somebody else was looking at me. They felt like I was being followed, but they knew I wouldn't get in the car with them. They called my grandfather on the phone. He came flying down the road with his guns in hand. And he wasn't, he wasn't worried about a black man. So here you are in the South, you're a black man. And he wasn't afraid that he would have to be, there would be a conflict between him and a white person. And he, you know, oh, I might go to jail if I confront them with my gun. No, excuse me. I'm a man, you a man. And if you violate me, you violate my children, you violate my family, you this is your this is the end result. I'm ready to go to war and I'm ready to do whatever it is that I need to do. I just don't think that the people are like that anymore. I think they're more concerned about like I said, well if a man had a gun and he shot one of them, he would have went to jail. Okay. I mean that's I mean with all due respect, I, I ain't trying to be funny. And listen, I want people to that understand when I say what I'm about to say is not to belittle nobody. Sometimes that shit is necessary. Yeah. I mean, if you live in those states, absolutely. You have I, I, but, I don't 
I mean, at this, I would rather jail than a, a casket. Like, I would rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. Now, that's just me. I don't know about anybody else. And especially um, protecting your son. I don't know how long they've lived in Georgia. I don't, I don't know. I don't really know what part they were, um, what part they were from. So I don't know how long they've lived there. I don't know if all of if that life was new to them. You know, I'm not saying any of those things. I'm just saying, so I'm not trying, I'm not judging them. I'm saying, I'm just giving examples of people who are from the South and they are in open carry states and they do have guns to protect themselves, whether that be from the white man, a water moccasin, a damn anybody dog. It don't matter if they go hunting. It it doesn't matter. It's you have it for you when you need it. So everybody clear on on this is a, just a, just our opinion on the my situation up to date. I mean, I'm quite sure some people in the chat that disagree with us. Anybody that don't know, my cousin Ebony that's in the group, she used to actually live in Brunswick, so where he was killed at. So she knows the area okay. very well. Um, oh, Bootsy. <laughs> uh, what we, what we going to say about this, this Bootsy thing? I don't know. It's really, it was really, really, uh, it was all I can say. It was really weird to me. It was weird to hear him say that. And um, it was, I can't, it was, it was, it was disturbing and it was very, very weird. And right mm -hmm. after he had said that um, little Duvall, I follow him on Instagram. He had made this post and he said, can anybody, um, reach out to the person they lost their virginity to, could they reach out to them and talk to them or reach out to them and, you know, connect with them? And he goes, I cannot because mine is probably in a nursing home or dead. I lost my virginity at 10 years old and he laughed. And I thought, and I, and I, and I kind of felt like he posted that to counter what, you know, Boosie said. And I thought to myself, all of these men that I've heard stories from who say, you know, um, if I could sleep with my teacher, I would be happy. When these teachers were messing with these little boys in school and these side, boys. Side note, side note, we got a brother that's going to join the show that had this experience and he's going to come and share something with us. I'm glad you brought that aspect up, Shakita. And, um, you know, I've, hear, I've heard men say, you know, oh, when these teachers, these women were messing with these young boys that were like 13 and 12 and four, like, you know, young kids. And they were like, oh, I would be happy. My teacher didn't look like that. And these are people that I see all the time on Facebook. And they, you know, I've, I had sex when I was this age, my babysitter, and they, they literally find nothing wrong with it. And then you have somebody like Boosie who says something like that, like I did this for my children because I wanted to make sure that they were able to do and I wanted them to know and learn. And I'm thinking to myself, there, is, there has to be, there must be a bigger discussion. There has to be a bigger discussion that needs to be had. You understand what I'm saying? Like, um, because are these men going having these experiences themselves and then raising these children thinking that they should have those same experiences? Because I don't know what would make any 
father want to take child to that. Go ahead, Chiquita. That's my bad. Okay, it's weird to me that if you've experienced this as a man, then now that you're older and you know better, why do you look at this and you don't see anything wrong with it? I don't know what Boosie's experiences were, so I can't but, really but touch on him. Do, but all I'm do you think really? Do you really think they know better though? Like take yourself, but like. Because I think I'm not, but these people are older now. It's not like you, you know, you're older. I now. look at it twofold because I'm a parent and, and, and I have a son. So then it's absolutely no. But you see how many, so many boys were molested by women mm -hmm. and they act like it's a rite of passage. Like mm -hmm. they don't identify with it as molestation the way women do so and that's so i think a lot of men right now is caping um, they don't really have an issue with what boosie did i, I you know i think the, the the subject which is very interesting and i know that we uh squeeze it in current events but i think that we could probably do a show on this for about a month every day because it's so layered of how boys are perceived to grow up and young females are perceived to grow up. I mean, like Shakita said in the opening, if a boy has a crush on his teacher and she has sex with him, it by law, it is the same because the law is supposed to give the same protections. However, society looks at the boy. Society may not look at the boy as a victim. And I, I put this in a group before about R. Kelly. And everybody jumped on me when I said, is R. Kelly a victim? But this is the same case with R. Kelly. R. Kelly says that when he was a child, him and his brother was molested. Does it justify how he started treating these young girls? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So when I asked the question, was he a victim? Everybody said, no, he ain't a victim. He's a predator. I'm not saying he's not a predator. But this learned behavior that he had I'm not saying that he thought it was okay, but he may have perceived it to be okay. I mean, this man oh, got boy. on national he got on national TV and said he used to watch his mother put lipstick on. Who does that? Your mother? Your mother? Well, like he he but he does think it's okay. So R. Kelly and his brother is a victim, but then a lot of victims then in turn victimize someone else. I mean, so. And then you, you also know. have to remember, it's hard to look at him as a victim when he can't admit what he's done. So in one breath, he's saying these bad things happened to me and this is why I am the way that I am. But then when you ask him about the women, he goes, I didn't do anything to them. Like, what are you talking about? Everybody was of age. I didn't do any, anything to anybody. And then that's the end of the conversation. The parent, the parent sent them to me. Right. So, but that's the end of the conversation. So how do you tell somebody, how do you, how could he be a victim when he won't, when he doesn't even know, he doesn't even understand. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. I, you can't. I, I get it. But why, but if it happened to him and we're finding that men don't see this necessarily. So, you know, he's illiterate. So some lawyer done probably told him to play victim. 
But if it happened to him and it was nothing wrong with it, so why would he think that he did something to them? You know, he ain't the brightest bulb in the lamp. But the, because this is why, because even at some point, you know that you, when you when you were quote unquote victimized, you know that it was wrong. So this is the part where I'm. This is the part where I have to accept when a man looks me in my face and tells me that these things happened to me. My older babysitter had sex with me, or she touched me, or did something to me, and he who knows better is saying that it was a rite of passage. I liked it. I liked it. And he's verbally saying that when he knows, he knows better. I have to believe him. I have to believe he thinks. But see, but this is why I'm saying. I have to believe him. And I have to, and I have to believe who he is as a, because I, for one thing, is everything is wrong with that. Right. I have to say, I'm glad I know that about you. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you guys a question. If you have if you have a female that's twenty five and a male that's twenty five, and they both tell you their first sexual experience at fourteen was with an elder, do you guys think that it's the same thing? Because our society, unfortunately, does not view this as the same issue. But you're talking to people who have sons. I think it's the same. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I've said. One of these posts where these teachers were sleeping with these 14 and 15 and 13 year old boys, I've said if that ever happened to my son, they would not have to lock her up because I would have beat her so bad she would be deformed if not have killed her. And I've had men who I know from Facebook who I'm probably still friends with to this day say to me, you not to let that man grow up. But see, that's what I'm saying. I, I think that because I'm a mother, like I had to go down to the damn Walgreens because the heifer was giving him all this stuff. Oh, he a tall uh, drink of chocolate milk or something. Bitch, he's 16. So, you know, as a mother, I'm going to look at it in the same way. But you will, as Shakita said, you will hear men like, well, what they locking him, locking her up for? I wish my teacher looked like that, or like they make excuses. Or even if you start talking to me, oh yeah, I was molested by my. Oh no, I had sex with my mother's friend. They don't never say molested. I had sex with my mother's friend when I was twelve. If that's your mother's friend, how you having sex with your mother's friend? And they say like it's a normal everyday sexual conquest. Right? Unless no, you were taking advantage of her. Right? Unless unless it was by a man. If a man snatched you up, then you you got all kinds of mental issues and you need therapy and you carry this for the, the pastor at the church mess with you. But the deaconess at the church that mess with you, you ain't got a problem with that. You should have an issue. I mean, it's, it's, it it's you're a kid. I, I believe that even us talking about this issue and I'm, and I'm thankful for everybody that's watching Facebook and YouTube and Periscope like. I believe that a lot of people don't discuss this openly. I believe that a lot of people don't address like a lot of young guys first experience with sex may have been a molestation, a pedophile type of situation. And they'll tell you like, you know, you know, like y'all, y'all both is y'all got uh young boys. Y'all got, y'all got sons. They hear it all the time. Like, Oh, he going to be, he going to be handsome when he get older. 
no, 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 no. You don't say none of that to my son. Like you gotta kind of like nip that in the bud. Yeah, early. Yeah, I was at the pool with my son. He might have been about twelve or thirteen, and we were all at a at a pool. And um, because he was um, just just athletically shaped, right? He wasn't doing anything in particular. He had like little cuts in his stomach and has curly hair and he has these really beautiful long lashes, right? And when they get wet, they almost look like fur. They're so pretty. And he's getting out the pool and I'm watching, I'm smiling, get my baby to swim all them laps. You know how we do. And here this woman, methylene is what I'll call her. And she's <laughs> and smiling and standing all up on him. So I got up and I walked over there and I said, Hi. And she was like, oh, I was just telling your son how handsome he is. And she described him all. And I looked at her and I said, he's a baby. She's like, oh, I know, I know, I know. I was just saying that he was so handsome. I said, you don't have to say anything to my son. I said, you know, that's inappropriate. I said, he's a kid. I said, imagine me walking up to your son and staring and ooing and eyeing all over him and describing him and talking about him. I said, that's very inappropriate. And she was like, oh, oh, I didn't mean any harm. I was like, you, you, maybe you might not have thought so, but you, you, it was harmful and you don't talk to children like that. And she was like, oh, oh I'm so sorry. And, and that even goes, that even, that, that even goes to, <laughs> that even goes to what we were talking about, um, what Jim Jim had put in the group earlier about older guys hanging around these high schools chasing young girls. Yeah. Like it's like all the same, but it's like a hush hush in our community, and it's crazy. It's it's crazy to think it and to re reiterate. No, y'all just made the girls fast. Right, okay. it was always the girls' fault. Yeah, so the, so the victim get blamed. Yeah, oh. the woman always is always her fault. Victim shaming. Fast, you know, she was mature. Oh, that you know how they are the mature girls. They always want to be mm -hmm. the. Old. And so it's I, like the quitting, but it's like the, the guys that talk about it, they still mad, like, because the older guy took their girl. So, it, you know, ultimately, <laughs> the victim is still being shamed, and it's yeah, 20 yeah. years later. Yeah, yeah they, they getting mad because old, old head came through with the G-Riders <laughs> and scooped up his piece. Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but you I know, mean, you looked at it like it was okay. But one I'm, thing I would honestly say, though, is when I was in high school, I think I might have been 11th or 12th grade. At the time, my the guy that I was seeing was older than me. But he was only like, I think I was in the 12th grade and he was in his first year of college. So it wasn't like he was nobody's effing father, right? But then I remember guys at school like, oh, oh, ha, ha, you, 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 that's why you won't date nobody in high school because I never did because you like older men. I was like, he's not older, mind your business. He has a car and he can come and pick me up. But that doesn't make him, you know, somebody's damn daddy. Just but I mean, I know I know a, a couple 16-year-olds that was dating 23-year-olds or or uh but I know a couple try, but I mean yeah. they old. They looked old and they felt <laughs> and they felt real um you know, and they and they groom you. I watch men do that. Now. I'm I'm old. They groom you. That's true. It makes me uncomfortable. Like I told my male friends this. 
Like, you know, you, you don't realize it, but women, you know, a lot of times they're not playing hard to get. They're not trying to use you for no food. Sometimes they can feel and sense that you are grooming them and they pull back. They go on one date, they eat, they spend a little bit of time with people, they can feel that energy and they can see because you're 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 behaving in a way that you're somebody taught you how to behave and it's inappropriate. And it feels like like predatory like. You know what I mean? Y'all pay attention, Shakina. She's giving y'all the uh the beginning episode of the book Trick Baby right now. Y'all pay attention. And they groom you and they make you feel uncomfortable. And and then it turns into, oh, you know, I, I took you out and I did this and then they that. And those are the ones that be mad when you don't want to do it. Those are the ones that are mad and don't take no's well. You know, those are the ones who are aggressive as hell and call you all the time when you ask them not to. Those are the ones you have the issues with. So I just think, because Boosie is getting roasted. Girls said. Boosie is having a real hard time. I mean, a lot. Of, I know a lot of people mess with Instagram, but I'm a Twitter person. They've been roasting Boosie all day on Twitter about his statements. Like, why would he say that? And then when I, I was listening to something before we came on, and the older gentleman that I like to listen to, I'll tell you who he is one day because I'm going to have him on the show. He's very famous, right? And um, he said that he's from an era where this was okay for a man to do this with the boys. But he would never do this with the girls. He didn't think. And anybody that does this with the girls is sick. So I'm listening to it. Why are you not just as sick with the boys? And, and I'm listening and I'm listening to it. And I'm not judging nobody because I'm trying to be objective and not be tainted for our show. And he's basically saying how like boys are supposed to. He said, first of all, first of all he said, boys and girls are to be taught differently. Okay. And we understand that, and they're not—they're not supposed to be taught equally. And I'm listening to them, but I'm still trying to understand how you gonna take your your boys, your sons, to the whole house to to get oral sex. I just don't From get that. A war, like uh, and and then the and then and and then the person is so much older than them. I can't imagine him being the child being okay with that but still trying to be okay with it because your father is telling you that that's what you should do like how do you not allow him to be a kid and 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 find his own way sexually it's one thing to tell him how to put on a condom right because if you don't I, I think it's inappropriate to put it to to put it on him or have him practice in front of you I think that's inappropriate. But to show him how to put it on, like they do educational wise, like they do in sex ed, make sure he knows how to put it on. Make sure he understands that, you know, what lubricant is and all of those good things. Like you have to make sure you keep, make sure your hands are clean when you go to put your condom on and, and make sure that you wash yourself off when you take it off. Like you need to have real conversations with your daughters exactly the same way you need to have real conversations with your sons. You know what I mean? But to then feel like you need to teach him and show him about sexual experiences is ridiculous. But this is the same man who got on D Wade and said, you're teaching, why aren't you letting your son be a son? Why aren't you letting your child be a kid? Why are you putting your child in a situation where they are learning about sex and what he like and all this other stuff when he don't even know yet? 
but you the same man who put your child in a situation to to have a sexual act an actual sexual act performed on him and not allowing your own kid to be a child and stumbling upon those things on his own he could have had a convers he could have had a very vivid conversation with him like look there are going to be times when you're going to be around little girls and this is what they're going to want to do but you need to make sure that how, he what he should have been saying was you need to respect women if she doesn't want to do it and she says no don't make her he need to be having real conversations with his son and these and and, and 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 unfortunately that we have to even bring up this issue but this is an issue sometimes in our community that don't get addressed however i'm going to ask all the men to ask their friends and to ask their younger guys, yo, what was your first sexual experience? And you'll be very amazed at what they will tell you. So let's not act like this is not prevalent where these young, these men are being sexually exposed by older women. This is more prevalent than people want to talk about. But, but you know something else? I, I want to know how the men feel. Like, really, like... Because what happens on social media, especially with black social media, like sometimes we just be caught up in the wave. Mm -hmm. Of a wave of um, emotion. Yeah, but like, I, I'm saying that I'm coming at it. I'm a mother. I'm a mother with a son. So I feel like it would be absolutely wrong. But in a different context, I have heard men, men on my social media, men that I know, that this, what would be the issue? What would be the, you know... What would be the difference? Because he pays someone. Mm -hmm. So I, I would really like to hear what men really do feel about the Boosie situation. Well, if they're keeping it 100, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say, hopefully they are transparent. They'll tell you. Not I'm, always, I'm, but go I'm, ahead. I'm, 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 I'm a guy that liked, like that, that liked older women when we were young. And... Mm -hmm. I have an aunt who I'm close with all my family members, but I had an aunt that didn't like that shit at all. And she basically used to say something to me about it. Right. And as I've gotten older, like I experienced, and, I, and me and you talked about it before, Keisha, you lose, you lose something. A person has to grow up. A person has to go through childhood. A person has to experience certain things. When you're 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, you should not be put in a position to make adult decisions. Mm -hmm, and a lot, of, a lot of us that came from the era after our parents were in the quote-unquote heroin era, we were 70 babies, we don't keep it 100. We came from a, a lot of us came from a lot of dysfunction, and we were put in situations where we had to grow up real fast. So our childhood was distorted, so to say. So if you not understand that when you get older, if you live to get older, because a lot of people die, a lot of people grow up and they still have that bitterness. A lot of people grow up and they still have issues with women because they think that their sexual part is how you control a woman. Mm -hmm. So when you're younger like that and you're exposed, you you're not realizing in your head you're <clears> thinking you're conquering this lady or this elder woman, and you're taking it as a badge of honor. And in all actuality, she's taking your youth from you. Mm -hmm. She's not allowing you to, as we would say, meet the girl, learn how to court, learn how to uh, 
learn how to have those mistakes that kids have. So this is this is something important. And then these same very same men out here wanting to date you and have sex with you, and they don't realize why they can't have normal relationships, and everything is always the woman's fault. We have a we have a guest a guest about to enter. When a woman, when a woman, who's both, the guest? Who coming in now? Yeah, he coming in. Y'all don't know. Y'all come, come on. Y'all ready to chop. Hey, Omar, they was um, ready to chop, yo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a little bit more open and honest um, about um, bad sexual, well, bad situations they've been in, whether it's mental abuse or sexual abuse or some type of uh, physical abuse growing up. They're a little bit more honest about that. And <clears throat> they... And they're usually honest with their partner. So I think a lot of times a, a man can um, have a, a, a point of reference, right? When they're when they come stumble upon issues or different things like that within their relationship. But when you have these men who have been in these abusive situations as children, they're not really, they're, you know, they're not telling the truth. They're not truthful or they're not honest about that, especially not with their partners or any other partners they've ever had. They're not honest. So then you have another form of suppressed mental issues that you have to deal with. And here you have these people who say, I can't have healthy relationships and it's not my fault, it's her fault. So, you know, it's just a, it's just something else that, you know, you, you hold on to. So I, I really, and then even if you think you're over it, you know, and, you, and, and you're not, it causes issues. That's why I always tell Men, I've had a man come to me and tell me that he's he's dealt with sexual abuse as a child, and I said to him, you know, you really need to go to therapy. And he was like, no, I don't need no therapy. You, I like talking to you. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychotherapist. I can't do so much. I mean, I can talk to you and be your friend, but I can clearly see your walls. I can clearly see all of those things. And I don't have the time, the patience, or I don't even want to help you fix that. I just don't want to. It's too, it's a lot. I don't want to have to do that. Go to therapy. So, so those of us that's joining our discussion uh, on Facebook and YouTube and Periscope, we have a brother, we have brother Omar that's going to uh, shed some light on the issue. And it's funny that we, this issue even got brought up so quickly. We linked up yesterday and, um, he could share from some uh, experience, some alleged experiences that he has in this issue. Uh, Sorry, Omar. You can hear me? What's going on? Yeah, right. I can hear you. Can hear All right, man, up. you know, uh, the audience would like to know, man. Let the audience know where you're from. Let them, let them know, you know, your experience, you know, allegedly. Alleged, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm Omar. I'm from Jersey City. Right? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, cool. And uh, I think uh, I can't clearly remember the post that was posted yesterday where I commented something about where, uh, well, whatever the case may be, my comment was in reference to a relationship that, not even a relationship, a situation that I found myself in with a teacher of mine. Not a teacher of mine, but a teacher in the school that I was attending. I, no, as a matter of fact, yes, she spoke about, the post was about a high school situation with, or whatever, within the second. Anyway, so anyway, my thing was this, as a young 
black male, because I basically grew up as a man child in the promised land. That's the life I lived coming up in the projects, no father, no father figure, nothing like that. So what um when I found myself in this situation, because what kind of caught me was where she's the high school part is what caught me. But actually I was in grammar school. But because of my behavior, I was left back two times. So I should have been in high school when actually I was in grammar school when this situation took place. So in certain ways, I thought that I was growing, I thought that I was older than every other child that was around me because they were in their right grades or whatever the case may be. So I found myself looking towards other things to kind of like, to kind of gauge my interest because I was, I was becoming bored with, you know, the curriculum, the school, I, it, I, it was, it was, you know, I wasn't beat. So I set my sights on this teacher in my mind. I set my sights on her and you know how you think or you believe, I thought and I believe that some type of way that it's no way possible that she can't know that I'm feeling this way about it. In all actuality, she was just going about her day. She didn't even know I existed. <laughs> but what happens one day, we went to a, we went to Hershey Park. And at Hershey Park, I purchased a, a keychain, but the keychain was like a miniature phone book. And I got this miniature phone book and I said to myself, because she, you know, she asked me how was the trip because she didn't go on a trip. That's what happened because we never, I never told her how I felt about it. This was all in my mind. So when she asked me how was the trip, I took the opportunity to say, um, it was cool. Everything was good. I bought the things. I got this little phone book. Would you like to fill out a page in this phone book? So not really expecting her to do it. She took it and said, sure, no problem. So she wrote her information in the phone book, phone number and everything. We talking about 1988. I was a kid. You know, she was a grown woman. So I'm like, oh, like she really, she really is believing well in my head. This is what I tell myself. Like we can't be on the same level. But I don't know a situation where it's though intent ever I'm about to be molested and don't even know it. So what happens is I go and I proceed to make the call. So in a in a way, you know, we we talking and we, you know, everything is going good. And my mind is going good, but the whole situation was taboo from the, you know, he's looking back in hindsight. But you know, we had relations over that summer and things took place that did, shouldn't have taken place or whatever the case may be. And it, it, it stopped. It stopped. And because eventually, probably the next year or two, I finally made it out of the eighth grade and went to high school somewhere. She went on about her life. I went on about my life. High school didn't last too much. But I, as my life, as I went on in life, I was always burdened with this thing where as though females my age weren't good enough for me. Mm. You get me? Like, I'm like, I like older women based on that experience right there. Mm. 
but this is something that was false. So as time go on, I always held that in. And when I used to hear other stories about being on the news, teachers being with children and things like that, the more I seen, the more that stuff was being exposed in the news, the more I was putting myself in the reserve. I was pushing it back in the recesses of my mind, like that shit ain't happening to me. She really liked me. Like she, like I, my thing was real. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I was manipulating myself into believing or not believing that I was left. And, um, you know, it kind of, it caught me off guard because I'm really not, I'm really not a vocal dude. I really don't, like, I really don't express myself verbally as well as I should. But I think y'all understand my point. Um, oh, absolutely. Oh, let me tell you, man. I, 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 I absolutely just to say that. Absolutely. Huh? I can't hear. You. Well, just to kind of like speed it up a little bit, not speed it up, but I seen this. This is when I really realized she damaged me years later because she, this person was from Teaneck, New Jersey, and. You know, they was just middle class uppity and just, and I didn't realize that when I was young, like these people from out here, they kind of look down on kids like me from the projects. So that, that's what I'm like, this chick really probably was a predator because I've right. seen her one day. I've seen her, I was a Excuse me? Yeah, you're just breaking up a little bit, bro. I can't. Yeah, you're just breaking up. I'm not hearing anybody. I said you're breaking up some. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me see if it's. I can hear you. We can hear you. It's what just about now? Yeah. Because I've never done anything like this. You're fine. You're good. You're good, Shake. Okay. So, anyway, I. I, I you hear me? Yeah. So, I'm walking one day and I see this individual. She's still working in, you know, public school system or whatever. Was years later, and I kind of—I can't say that I startled her because I'm not gonna just run up on your car and be like, "Yo," I kind of like let her get focused, and I kind of like tried to wave and all of that. She got the window up, and she kind of like—I could see her in her car. She kind of like we in the ghetto, we in the hood. That's the fun. That's where we from. So I feel comfortable, like period. But she just gave me this whole like you know how people just be like you know what I'm saying because I'm a black man or whatever they've been she realized that I'm that child that you was doing what you was doing with yeah she realized she don't realize that she, she realized so oh now shit, you may say something to me I wish I could hear this yeah I got it I got it do better because this phone is terrible. <laughs> now nah, you good, man. And let me tell you, man. Like that, you got we, here, we, clearly. Yeah, we hear you clearly. And I'm gonna tell you, man, uh I, I appreciate you willing to come on and, and, and talk about this. And I know that you have basically addressed that how you look at it different now because you're a father mm. and you got the babies. So I know that your um your understanding of what happened back then is totally different now and uh how we how we have to protect the kids at all costs now. 
You can hear me? We lost you for a second, Omar. We like, lost your volume. Go if he can go closer to maybe where his modem is or where his Wi-Fi is. Yeah. Hey Omar, yeah, if you can that... go close to your modem. Go close to where your modem is in your house. You probably get gotta get closer to the modem so we can hear you. But that was very interesting and really um brings it all together. Like no, some sorry. people are not they're not becoming adult enough to recognize that what happened was wrong when it comes to boys. Right. And then for him to see her, I'm glad he was able to see her later on in life and watch her reaction. She behaved as if she saw a ghost because she Guilty. knew she had did something to him that she had no business. And I'm and and again, like he said, he kept lying to himself. No, 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 I, I wasn't one of those kids. She liked me, you know. She really liked I me. Was, she, it's like they was a relationship. Yeah, and I'm sure that's what he was thinking. And this is probably what you know women think. These young girls think when they meet these older men with these boys. Mm -hmm. like, boys meet to feel like, especially if you like he said, I, I he had trouble in school. So if he's having trouble in school. And he is looking for attention from the teacher. She, it was her responsibility as the adult to then nurture and foster a professional student-child relationship. She was not supposed to be sexual with him. She sees he has trouble. She could have she he she could have mentored him, helped him, been an advocate for him, spoke up for him. He clearly couldn't focus because his behavior was why he stayed back, not his grades. So why wouldn't mm -hmm. she be for him to help him further his education and get out of the, you know, look, we need to do something with him. Let's test him. Let's see how smart he is or what's going on with him. But instead she wanted to take advantage of him. Like he said, because he was from a different area and these people here in this place looked down at these children. And then he even still lied on, lied to himself. And it wasn't right. a, a monster years later and he tried to just connect with her a little bit kind of like you know hey lady and she was like uh-uh nope because she's a monster hey omar <laughs> could you hear us yeah we still we still can't hear we still can't hear him but like at the like at the yeah you coming in and out a little bit omar but we can hear you but like i said i really appreciate you brother for being able to come on and I like I said my experience. It wasn't exactly like that, but it's very common in the urban communities that a lot of guys, their first experience may have been a pedophile type of situation, and nobody talk about it when it's happening with men. When it's happening with little boys, as long as it's not a quote unquote another man touching you, it's like. Oh yeah, old head dig you, yo. She feeling you, yo. No, yeah. she ain't supposed to be feeling you. Right. They're told, boys are told that you know women are these sex objects and that their roles in life is to be sexual, right? You tell little boys early on, you know, even though it doesn't feel or seem as sexual, but you know, you 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 uh encourage them to date different women and just kind of be out here and do all of these things. And and the, and the, and well, when you have a daughter, you you do the complete opposite. You make her so naive of the real world and what's going on because you want her to be this, you know, untouched flower. Isolated. Right, isolated and just, you know, away from everybody. And then when she wants to break out of the house, she runs into trash like R. Kelly. 
right? Because you're not giving her the freedom that she needs. Seriously, you're not giving her the freedom that she needs to be able to express herself. So she runs into the arms of somebody that she thinks is going to care for her and take care of her. And and, and it's just really just a, a effed up, you know, situation. It really is. And if, if, if my children have never come to me and told me anything like that, but I can only imagine what, you know, the mothers of these men or young boys think finding out that something like that happened to their child. You know, I would be devastated, whether it's my son or my daughter, I would be devastated that they were put in a situation like that with an adult that took advantage of them. Devastated. Hey, Omar, can you hear us now? Oh, he still can't hear us, unfortunately. Um, you know, when you first when you first try to get in StreamYard, it's a little different. I mean, you got to get access. You have some difficulties. Yeah, yeah it's it's, it's kind of rough. Definitely when you're using your phone or not using a, um, a desktop or a laptop, if you're yeah. not on if you're not on the internet. But like I said, the brother is in the group. Um, he just came to the group. I, yesterday. I appreciate. So I appreciate yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, we approve. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. I know that for the for those that's watching, I never like to give Keisha and uh, Shakita no surprise guests. So they knew somebody was coming on, but they didn't know what it was about. And I, to I had told the brother that he was going to come on during the Bootsy segment because um, KK had, had basically linked us together and said that we should do a show about it. And this how happened this morning at work. I saw Bootsy and I'm like, oh my God, the opportunity popped up where this could be discussed. I mean, I would love for us to be able to discuss this in depth a Me little too. bit more Me because too. this is a layered situation of how we perceive our boys, are they as protected as we protect our young girls and vice yeah. versa? I mean, this is something in the black community, we need to address it's it just, and we need to stop hiding from it. That's true, and it's just weird because that that saying that I hate um, women raise their daughters and love their sons or whatever. Um, I just think it's a compact issue within our community, and in some ways, our girls haven't been protected, but our boys haven't been protected also. Our boys, and I don't think you. I, 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 I can say from a from a because I have a son as well as you you guys. I believe that our boys have been a little nurtured a little too much, and this is where as co-parents we need to do a better job. I mean, at the end of the day, like Keisha, I remember with your son with the basketball thing, like it was me and Hood there. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And that's important. Like I'm gonna keep going back to it, and people could disagree with, with me. But I'm going to prove it. I could prove it through history. I could prove it through theory. The village raised the child. And anybody disagree with me, I'm going to tell you that you have some issues going on. Because the village is what makes the, that rears the child, that makes sure the child is getting nurtured properly. Because we had it when we were kids. If you did something on your street, you didn't know who called your mother and father. But they found out what, what you did when you got home. Like, yo, you was out there cussing and throwing rocks and all this crazy stuff because the village has the part of raising your child. Omar came back in the studio. Let me see if he, he got us. Could you hear us, Omar? 
I can hear you. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. I missed the whole everything after I finished talking. I never... <laughs> <laughs> now we 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 was we was we was basically just conversing about your situation and saying how we commend you for coming on the show and, and really appreciate you you being open and honest about it. And I wanted to ask you because I know you when yesterday when we linked up, how you perceive it now being a father. Being a father with well my. Yeah, I mean, like, my kid is kid is my kid is my kid is grown. Though. I mean, okay, but still, is, but still, I mean, your whole yeah, your whole outlook like, on 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 uh on on parenting probably like yo, you were probably like real overprotective, like one thing of protecting the babies now, like yo, you know, because one thing you said was you felt like you was in a relationship. In my mind, yeah. And I'm quite sure you was telling the homies like, yo, she digging me, yo, like. And that's when it, I told my cousin, who's a female, I said, I told my cousin thinking I was being, I was being, I thought I was being braggadocious. And she was like, she molesting you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I kind of like, oh, I kind of like, yeah, you don't know, you just hating or whatever the case may be. Because I was, a, I was a young, I was a young, I was a man child. Like I said, I, I was. You know, I mean, I wasn't raised with no father, so I kind of was under the guise that everything that I would, all my moves that I was making was, should be a credit to my, me being able to finesse a female or whatever. Mm. That mm. wasn't the case. So, 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 so you, so you was macking, you, you, look, you done scooped up an old head, you know how we used to say <laughs> See, I'm laughing yeah. and I'm not listening. Yeah. I'm <laughs> laughing, but I'm not laughing because I understand his trauma. I've been there. Well, yeah, but, like but, the, but think about it like this think about what juice, exactly. He was in a, uh, but we when we went and watched the movie, I mean, she was a nurse or something, he was still in high school. You know how much college education you got to be to be a damn nurse? Who thought that it was something wrong with that relationship? When you was a child going to see Juice in 93, 94. So. Nobody. Nobody. I don't know. And you saw her old ass boyfriend. Her ex-husband at that. Whoever that was. Right. Her ex. See, I didn't even know. That old ass man watching that little boy come into the house. And she just. Right. Stop it, Earl, and get your stuff and go. Like. Right. So I, in some oh, ways, we almost train for that to be acceptable. Right, exactly. That was like the other day. Um, I was we, me and my son was watching something, and like a clip of Dirty Dancing came up, and I think mm -hmm. it was Dirty Dancing's so many years or something like that. I don't remember what it was. So I told my it was the original um, um, movie uh, preview. And it looked made the okay. movie real corny. And I was like, you know, the movie wasn't that bad. I said, so, but I explained to him the storyline. I said, this old ass man, Patrick, <laughs> uh -huh. I'm according this little girl. Right. And, um, this is like America's favorite freaking favorite movie. They dancing and having sex and summering and everything else. And he was a whole bum. Working at that country club, macking on that little girl. And my son was dying laughing. I said, This is America's favorite movie. One thing that, Shakita, one thing that you just brought up that the old head that I listened to said is that 
we don't realize how much the indoctrination of this type of behavior happens. Mm-hmm. We subliminal mm-hmm. getting taught, like even we see it now, like we we share. Little Richard been told people that it's an agenda with emasculating men in Hollywood. Nobody mm-hmm. want to pay it no mind if me, you, or, or Keisha say it. But when Little Richard say it, now everybody understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he knows from his own experience. Like he said, when I dressed like this, it was okay. But when I dressed like that, it was a problem. So, right. You know, <clears throat> and I've heard yeah, people, because I've heard people ahead. say, I've heard, um, I've heard a, a, a guy that I know who is gay said to me, he feels like he'll go in for an interview and they immediately love him so much. And it'd be literally because he's gay, right? And he's like, but before he was as comfortable with himself <clears throat> and he, you know, he's not flamboyant, right? So he's like, but... I'm comfortable with myself. So I'm not trying to be overly masculine anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So I remember when I was trying to prove that I was a man and he said, you should see how people would be so, you know, on guard all the time, you know, like and he's like, now I feel like now that I'm more comfortable with myself, I'm not trying to be overly masculine. I'm invited into all kinds of spaces now. And I kind he's of, not threatening. And I said, huh. And I, you know, and I thought, and coming from him, I thought hmm, that makes sense. I mean, I get what yeah. you're saying. Um, hey, listen, Omar, could you hear us? No, nope. hey, still can't hear us. Hey, listen, we gonna um, for time purposes, we are gonna wrap the show up. Um, okay. listen, we I we really, like I, him. I, I really we like I, him. <laughs> I really, I really um appreciate everybody that's that watched. And tuned into the show tonight. I know that um, us talking about current events and current issues, we kind of appeared to be all over the place. We just wanted to address certain issues. And I hope, like I always say, the young ladies, if uh, y'all want to wrap up the show, say what y'all want to say. Well, I do want to tell Omar that I know he was concerned that he wasn't articulating himself um, well or um, right. And he did great. You know, I want him to know that he told his story. It was it wasn't too long. It wasn't too short. You know, it, it, people were paying attention and people appreciate mm-hmm. hearing. And I think it makes a difference when you have um, a man. Um, I think it makes it. I don't want to say a man. I think it makes a difference when you have a black man say, you know, these are the things that I've gone through, no matter what they are. These are the things that I've gone through. These are the things that I've learned about myself. And this is how I was able to make a change. You know what I mean? Like I appreciate any man who is at that level in his life who isn't, you know, more concerned about trying to look popular or trying to, you know, appease anybody, you know, just being able to express yourself and tell your story and say what you've learned. You know, I think it's important because you know, not just on this platform, but, you know, when you're amongst your friends, you know, when you're amongst right. your children, the things that you need to teach your, you know, your legacy, what do you want to leave as your legacy? You know, that you talk mm-hmm. shit all the time and, you know, you buy meaning all the time, or did you, you know, add, add value to, to, to the world by sharing your experiences that people can learn from? I think that's really important. All right. 
I agree. Um, I just want to tell everybody to be safe. Um, it, it, it has been a lot. And we know that a lot of the restrictions are about to lift. I mean, and everyone has to do what they have to do. I understand that. But just try to be as safe as possible. Um, don't always, we don't always have to be first. We don't always have to be first. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, um, I had a, a contract that I had worked on before, um, you know, COVID really ramped up and I went to start it last Wednesday. So I get it about going outside and, you know, being safe or what have you, or, you know, my friends have been rocked with deaths. So I'm not going to say that I didn't sit with one of my best friends last Friday and didn't have dinner. Like we were separated. I wanted to buy her dinner and she needed to see me. But she has had a death a week for like a month. So, you know, we took our precautions and to me it was worth it. So, you know, be safe and determine the things that's that's worth it because everything ain't worth it. Going to the trap ain't worth it. Or going to the lodge, I can't breathe in the damn lodge regularly. So I'm not sure that the lodge gonna see me until it's a little safer, or unless it's outside. Hey, and hey, that's hey. my wish for everybody. Hey Omar, I see you in the chat, Omar. You don't have to apologize for nothing, brother. Everybody, no, everybody awesome. appreciates you. Um, I I appreciate everybody that watched the show tonight. I have a book. I have a book I want to recommend. It's called Black. You know, I, it's, I it's made called, that whole post and asked these jokers what books they read and find it. It's called. It's they called don't Black, read. It's called Black Like Me. <laughs> I, I, I want to suggest that I want to suggest that people read this book. And the reason why I brought it up is because I scheduled an interview with Patricia. P Patricia is one of the co-owners of Source of Knowledge. Source okay. of Knowledge is the longest running African-American bookstore in Newark. Mm. Source of Knowledge may be going out of business because of the COVID. They have a GoFundMe set up, so they may not be a bookstore when we get out of this COVID mess. So those that know about this bookstore, they have they have a page on Facebook. Um, I haven't had, me and Patricia hasn't linked up. And I talked to her on Monday, but she was busy. So she was supposed to actually come on the show. We had set something up for like Wednesday, which was today. So I, you know, for those that like to read and know where Source of Knowledge is, right now they're trying to set up their online sales. They actually, you can't prepare for COVID. Um, right. So like I said, they have a Facebook page, Source of Knowledge, and they will accept you as a friend. Make sure y'all hit them up. So Make sure if, if, if are they had, doing pickups? What they're doing, they're doing online sales with certain books, but you know the bookstore got so many titles that their catalog, they, they weren't prepared electronically to right. have everything online. So why don't you share their link on the page? I will. Um, like, yeah, that's a good idea. You know what? I'd let you text me the name of it and I'll do it. I'll I can okay. share the link on the page. And then um, we can look. It would be nice if she could do the show because then maybe she could even do like an auction where she can auction off some books. And oh yeah, that'd be cool. Like you know, talk about the books, sell some of the books because my children are avid readers. I buy books often. 
Yeah, the, the name of the book I'm reading, Black Like Me, Ebony, uh, is by John Howard Griffin. It's called Black Like Me. He, he explains his journey of growing up in the South. Um, okay. Like I said, we, we, we want to address the source of knowledge thing. I'll put in the link. I'll give it to Shakita. Like I said, they have a GoFundMe. Even if you could give a dollar, I mean, don't give a dollar, but if you can give $2 to keep them open. Like, can we order books? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, books, go, you, yeah. you can order books. They do got a sale going on. So um try to reach out to them. Like you could you could even inbox them because I inboxed her. She left a number. I called her. It was easy to link up with her. She even reached out to these quote unquote famous people that want to claim Newark, New Jersey mm. as their hometown. Mm. And none of mm. them returned her calls. Mm. So if you understand source of knowledge, they try to be grassroots because only grassroots people we'll keep grassroots organizations open. So with that, um, we're going to close our show. And um, I appreciate you guys for joining. And with that, everybody have a blessed and fruitful night. Good night. Good night, everybody.